0: Hello and welcome to Birkbeck Voices. My name is Jess Simons and I'm joined today by Sarah Childs, who was recently appointed as Professor of Politics and Gender at Birkbeck. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you. Today we're talking about the quotas of women in politics in the UK and across the world, why there are fewer women in Parliament than men and what can be done to change that statistic. Now, Sarah, before we address those questions, let's talk a bit about you. You've worked extensively on representation theory and in representation policy with many political parties. So can you bring us up to speed on your background and also what you're working on at the moment?
1: Sure. Well, I think, given my recent appointment here, I'd like to stress that I have a slightly atypical background in that I did my PhD part-time. So I know what it's like to be a part-time student. My PhD took me seven years, so I know that perseverance and working and doing studying is hard but worth it. Mm -hmm. So, in a sense, I started off with a degree in African and Asian studies and politics, never thinking I'd become an expert on British politics or the British Parliament, but I got very interested in the ideas of representation, and that coincided with the arrival in 1997 of 101 Labour women MPs. So my PhD kind of shifted somewhat from being about theory to actually applying that theory, and suddenly on election night in 1997, all these women were getting elected, and I had a- arrangements with them to interview them if they were elected, And I got to interview 35 of them. And the PhD then became not a cross-party comparison, but really an investigation on the Labour Party and how it had managed to political election, where the numbers of women jumped overnight from 60 to 120. And as I just mentioned, over 100 of those were from the Labour Party.
0: Mm. And so you're talking about those numbers jumping your PhD, sort of um, morphing from theory into practical... Uh, Putting aside the obvious benefits of equal opportunity, why do you think it is so important to have that practical element of more females in Parliament?
1: I'm always surprised when people say, well, well you know, gosh, there aren't enough women and women don't come forward. And I think we have to say, why is politics not something that women do every day? Why is it that we find it hard to imagine there are 325 women capable of being members of Parliament? Mm. So I think actually equal opportunities is important because if there were no barriers for women to do politics, they would be there. So actually I do think that justice argument is really powerful and it's the most minimal argument you need to make. You know, if it wasn't skewed, women would be there. However, I also think it's important symbolically. I think it's really important the kinds of people who are represented see themselves in our parliaments I think there are lots of arguments about the extent to which it changes what parliament does and what it focuses on and sometimes I worry that people only want to have women in if women do politics differently or worry about different issues or remobilize on these issues and in lots of ways the evidence suggests that having more women in our parliaments can affect what's talked about and how it's talked about. But I don't want women's presence being made dependent upon them doing something over and above the expectations that we have our, of our other politicians. They are elected as members of political parties. They are there in the same way as other politicians. It doesn't rule out the fact that they may have different priorities, and there's plenty of evidence to suggest that currently in our Parliament many of those women are doing um, are undertaking activities to do with women's concern but it's not what they should be judged upon in many ways because otherwise you're adding to a set of requirements that you say well women mps don't just have to be good enough to be mps they also have to do something else Mm. so in academic terms we talk about the link between descriptive and substantive representation from being a woman to acting for women and whilst there is a relationship it's mediated it can be constrained it is not simple, it's complicated, and party makes a difference too. So what we expect of our women MPs will be mediated by their party identity. Not all women MPs are going to believe the same thing about the same issues or care about the same political agenda.
0: And are we seeing a shift in that perception of what the women's role in Parliament should be, You know, especially since you interviewed those first 35 women?
1: What was interesting then, I think, was many of them really did feel quite happily... Um, to be positioned in many ways as, as bringing those new ideas to the table. So I think there's something about that 1997 cohort of Labour women. They tried really hard to get into Parliament. It hadn't been easy. In many ways, they benefited from a quota, the women shortlist. So in fact, I think they accepted a responsibility in a positive way, actually thinking about my very early research. So many of them were not worried um, about having to look or address women's concerns. I think many of them were feminists were related and had activism within the women's movement and within labour women's activism so in many ways I think that was quite normal for them to be uh, involved in in those kind
0: of issues. Okay and you mentioned a quota there and you have recently commented in the media about the current system of quotas for women in politics you said the quotas are helpful but they aren't enough so what more could be done?
1: I I always talk about it being a quota plus policy. I mean the global evidence is very clear. If quotas are well designed well implemented and there are sanctions if political parties don't use them then they really can make a difference to the numbers uh, of women in politics so they do work but what they really address is what we call the demand side they force parties to go out there find women select them and get them elected what they don't do is address questions like women's work-life balance women's caring responsibilities so they don't transform some of the factors on the supply side so they might um, not necessarily enable some women to participate in politics so they can they can help those who are already part of the supply, supply pool to get selected and to get elected, depending on the form of the quota, but they might not necessarily address questions about women's time, women's finances, the extent to which party practices, other practices, are open to women. So we have to address some of those issues too.
0: So it opens the door for them, but doesn't necessarily set up any support mechanism for them to walk through the door?
1: Uh, I think for those who, women who already want to do politics and who are already active, it really opens the door. But if we want to diversify the supply pool of women, make it more open to different kinds of women, as well as increase the numbers, then we need to do other things too. And that might be about reforming parliaments, reforming parties. Uh, It might even, if we think about questions around how much housework men are doing who's caring for the children so that's why it needs to be a quota plus strategy you've got to address the demand side and the supply side although I would just add that actually if you introduce quotas you can also change a perception so the supply pool the numbers of women seeking to be selected can increase when parties kind of wave and say we really want you we need you to fill our quota and that was the recent case in Ireland demonstrated that really significantly
0: Yes, I was going to ask: Has this kind of this idea of quotas for women in politics worked better in some countries than others?
1: It's normally to do with the extent to which the quota is appropriate for the uh, electoral system that's there. So, if you have a weak quota or a quota where, it's maybe, the fine isn't very much, political parties will sometimes take the fine rather than select women. So, you have to have them well designed; they have to fit the electoral system, and then they can work. Although saying that, what's been really interesting about the Labour Party is actually it's a voluntary party quota. But there have been enough senior women in particular who have not let the party backslide on it, which means when they're concerned about the numbers of women perhaps not coming through, they've made greater demands on increasing the target. So I think what we can say about the UK party quota in the Labour Party is that women have really advocated for its implementation and defended it against critics and made sure that it carries on having the positive effect that it has had in '97 and then every election after 2005.
0: And is that a public push as well as from the politician side of things? Have the public sort of demanded that equality?
1: Um, the public have different views about which groups matter in terms of representation. Actually, women uh, or sex or gender doesn't rank very highly if you ask the public about what it is they want represented. But for me, I think what matters is that principle of justice again.
0: Absolutely. Let's talk about the Forset Society report that you edited and published in September this year it does make the case for a change to the law to allow two people to share the job of an MP. So going back to what you were saying before about you know, providing the support for people to be able to enter into these roles, what would this change to the law mean for women looking for a career in politics?
1: What's interesting is that we did this pamphlet because we felt that the issue was being too quickly dismissed as impractical. It couldn't be introduced. And we felt that that wasn't true, that the actual obstacles to working out how it would work on the ground was too easy a way of dismissing it as an idea. And I think it would enable some women who maybe want to care for children or elderly relatives to participate in politics in a way that they can't currently do. But as we worked through the arguments around job share, it also became very clear that it was really important for disability. Because actually for women, if you really want to go into politics, you could decide, I won't have children because we have a motherhood gap. Or you could say, I'll delay my participation in politics until I'm older. So you can still do politics. Most women can still do politics. It might be harder to do, but nonetheless they can do it. But what we really became um, convinced by was that for some individuals whose disability means they can't and probably won't ever be able to work full-time, changing the law actually is about their fundamental right to participate in politics. So actually... I don't expect lots and lots, even if the law was changed, of women necessarily to enter politics on the basis of job share. But for some individuals, it will mean the difference between being able to exercise that political right. And I think that's actually where the argument becomes even more profound. So. What And and I should say that I I co-edited that pamphlet with another professor of politics uh, at Birkbeck, Professor Rosie Campbell. And what we sort of argued is we were sort of looking for an elderly gentleman, current MP, who's perhaps sort of nearing the end of his career, who might be prepared to put himself forward, uh, desperately seeking an elderly gentleman with a very large majority is how we put it, (laughs) to perhaps sort of team up with somebody um, from a group who might not normally be able to participate. But we'll have to see because... Clearly the appetite for MPs' job share is not yet there either in the public and most definitely not
0: yet at Westminster. Well that's what I was going to ask you is what was the response like to the report?
1: In many ways we were quite surprised just how many MPs are hostile and I think they're hostile because they have a very clear sense in their minds that the relationship between the MP and the voter is a singular relationship that it can't be shared. But we like to think of it more in the same way you might have a relationship with a doctor job share scenario where actually you're dealing with very intimate and personal and important relationships, but nonetheless we don't think that that's impossible. Mm. So in many ways we want to try to convince MPs to think differently about this relationship that I sometimes think of as an imagined one, because most MPs don't have direct relationships with most of their constituents, mm-hmm. leaving aside, say, constituency representation at the individual level. And actually, therefore, I wonder whether it's, a, it's something MPs imagine to be a relationship that has to be one-to-one, and actually it's not so very different from other kinds of job shares.
0: Very interesting. And just a final question uh, you now. We obviously mentioned that you've recently come on board as Professor of Politics and Gender at Birkbeck. How have you found the discussions with your students so far, and what's the narrative like in terms of women in politics?
1: Um, well, I'm teaching a British politics course this semester, and one of the things I've really tried to do is to bring gendered and feminist analysis into the classes even if they don't look like the topic doesn't look as though it has a gender perspective because I think one of the really important things to notice about gender and politics research over the last two decades is just how it's addressing a whole variety of topics in British politics whether you're talking about the Prime Minister, um, Parliament, voting behaviour so in a sense those questions are everywhere in our political life and for me they should be because they raise really important questions about who belongs, whose voices are heard, who gets represented by whom and in what ways. And so for me, it's very much, I'm not in favour of the course that has the one week on gender, that actually these questions about how we understand notions of citizenship and rights and responsibilities in society should reflect the diversity
0: of the societies that we populate. Sounds like a very interesting class. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, You can find out more about studying politics with Professor Childs at Birkbeck. The link to the course pages will be in the description of this podcast, or you can have a browse on our website. Just head to bbk.ac.uk. So that's all for this episode of Birkbeck Voices. Sarah, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much.